0: Hello and welcome to the Canadian Literature Centre's Brown Bag Lunch reading series, the COVID edition. The Canadian Literature Centre is based at the University of Alberta in Edmonton, Canada. Known to many as amiskwetchi Edmonton is located on Treaty 6 territory and the Métis nation of Alberta District 4. Like so many other live readings this year, The CLC's Brown Bag Lunch Reading Series has been affected by COVID-19. Instead of our monthly program hosting writers from across Canada at the University of Alberta, we're pleased to offer you our 2020-21 series in podcast form, delivered right to your living room or kitchen. We hope that you enjoy this chance to connect with authors from across the country. Today's Brown Bag Lunch Reader is the acclaimed poet Kinesia Lubrin. Kinesia Lubrin grew up in St. Lucia before moving to Canada, where she studied at York and Guelph Universities, and now teaches creative writing at OCAD and the University of Toronto while also working as a writer and editor. Her first collection of poetry, Voodoo Hypothesis, is, in the author's words, a subversion of the imperial construct of Blackness. Named a CBC Best Poetry Book of 2017 and one of the 10 must-read books of that year by the League of Canadian Poets, Voodoo Hypothesis has been described as at once epic and intimate. As one reviewer put it, the collection is a lush, urgent, cosmological accounting of generations of the African diaspora. Lubrin's second poetry collection, Disgraphist, is a polyvocal exploration of kinship. It was published this year by McClelland and Stewart at Penguin Random House. Lubrin reads to us from her home in southern Ontario.
1: Hello, this is Kinesia Lubrin, and I am happy to be hosted by CLC Brown Bag Lunch Readings this fall. In our very peculiar year of the global pandemic, of the global Black Lives Matter uprisings, the revolution, I am lucky to be able to share with you some poems uh, from my small corner in Whitby, Ontario. so I will read from Voodoo Hypothesis, my first book, and I will read from the Disgraphist, which is new, and I will read just a couple standalone pieces that were published this summer. Let me begin with Voodoo Hypothesis. I will read the title poem which is self-explanatory, as I believe all poetry is. And if you would like a bit more context on the themes and the allusions in the poem, you can check out the Ultimate Mars Mission documentary. Voodoo Hypothesis Before sight, we imagine that while they go out in search of God we stay in and become God become curiosity whose soul is a nuclear battery because she'll pulverize Martian rock and test for organic molecules in her lab within a lab within a lab she doesn't need to know our fears So far too grand for ontology reckoning. Did you not land with your rocket behind you? Hope beyond hope on the tip of your rope. With the kindness of anti-gravity slowing you down. You before me. Metal and earthen. But I am here to confirm or deny. The millions of small things. that seven minutes of success were hinged upon. When I was little more than idea and research in the hypnotic gestures of flame and Bunsen burner, and into parachute, no one foresaw the bag of rags at the end of the tunnel. All memory now. This paraclete. Where else is a pocket of air more deadly than the atomic bomb? Would this only happen on Earth? Has Mars run out of tolerance for the minutiae of air pockets, fingerprints, and worry? Aggregates of metal, curiosity, and her clues to calm our fears for what's coming. Mars and her epic storms. Her gargantuan volcanoes have long seized their trembling. Her crazy flooded plains, frozen and in cinema. Martian life, now Earth and Revelations phases. Earth problem, not Mars problem. But why should I unravel? Over all this remembering, great thing about landing, is that I've arrived. At your service, at your sand, at your valley, and unsentimental magma. Before me screams plains like Mojave Desert, Waikiki, Nagasaki. Nothing too strange to keep curiosity off course. Even though the Viking missions found no conclusive pulse, and we declared you dead, O Mars, never mind we named your heights and depths from orbit. And from your spheres of minerals, where oceans once roared, we've learned little of your lenience for empire. Forgive us what spirit uncovered in the silica of your ancient hot springs. Ah, yes, we've come back home. Phoenix told us we inherited the numberless stories of your hydraulic pathologies, but I am curiosity. If I kill the bitch right... She'll take us deeper and convince us to send earthlings to set up earth colonies on your deserts. They won't ever come back, but that's not so bad when we trade in the grander scheme. As though the colonials, the tribe traders, and all the pharaonic masquerades of gone times were not fair threat. That we won't know the depth of our homeward seas is nothing when the sun still got our backs. And while oceans still vaporize before us, curiosity will keep on until the organic secrets of that Martian puzzle become as household to us as carbon. Oxygen wasn't the only disaster to befall Earth. To bless her with life. Apollo drilled on the moon and got stuck. And the harder we've drilled down here, the more we've loosened our screws. Perhaps there'll be no one left to give a damn about the death of our privates. Unless we prove ourselves enigmas, the alien we think we know is the alien we only dream of starting from the bottom of the curious. We wake, and we die, through the thorns and the crowns and craned chapters. We move too quick for understanding. Still, after the decades we predict, curiosity confirms the cold slain death. Then come her conscience blown. In the hard-won postcards, traveling on space dust, faster than a bullet, to say, hey, I'm here. I safe. Wish you were here. See Gale Crater, Mount Sharp, just as you said. Come bask with me in the wonders of a Martian. Good afternoon, you of flowering faith. Set sail for home because we will all wear the consequences of this choice. And you never should have said goodbye. So I will leave that contextualizing of space travel and space exploration as colonial and empire-making and those logics of empire and extraction persisting, and I will read another poem from Voodoo Hypothesis, and this one is called Keepers of Paradise. This one is dedicated to everybody in the streets out there fighting for a better world. Keepers of Paradise This is the hand that intends to do its maker harm. This is the clock turned back five hundred years. The river that runs from Eden mouth to rare unsweetened mouth. I've logged the sour dawns of all my quiet into this body, its crisis of fleeing nowhere when nowhere is home, and reborn, half-bled, in our night-time, diverging their sullen brethren, their patterns of vapour, rain, shadows on goat-eaten plains, in the morse events of smallest things, in my new metropolis, away. I am a simple child then, a tilled site of history. Call me isobar, distraction in place of earth. Call me tropical depression, where I regale to the world its problem of beaten pines, pleading rivers, returning thorns to their abducted bush. I'd offer the wound, night shuts behind my eyes, but enough, here Mondor divinize her song, give these coon keepers of paradise a liminal eavesdrop, Hear ghostly algorithms translate these nights to bloom. Earlier this summer the poem In the Middle of the Burning was published by the Academy of American Poets and I suppose it's closer to the end of summer because it was late August into early September and the poem contemplates the early days of the 2020 Black Lives Matter uprising following the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and many others, whose names we know and add to what seems like a never-ending litany. All of this amid the COVID-19 pandemic, and I was speaking with a poet friend and mentor about what it meant to be poets committed to the difficult subjects of the state of the world, and to be called upon to make sense of these things, especially in our urgent context. But for many of us, life has always been urgent. Living has always been urgent. And so, I wrote this poem through what I had come to understand as being in a situation much too overwhelming for language And much too soon to be able to further clarify what the pandemic was already making even more plain. That the inequities of the world basically means that we would get to a tipping point. And of course all of these things require us to extend the generosity of ourselves in even more profound and comprehensive ways in the middle of the burning notice now pictures of awful things on top our head the freight that barricades this view how enough how the law battered down the dogged tide we make the world shoring its dark scars between seasons, as though to hold it together only by a flame. Is here a voice to please enough the blunt borderlessness of this grief, turning our heads to rubble, the lunacy of nothing so limning as death in the streets, in these vibrating hours where the corners talk back, Need I simply run my tongue along the granite sky and live? To know how lost, the millionth life somewhere today. The swift shape of roads, new names combust. The sum of anthems flooding the world with the eyes sudden and narrow saltwater. And streets, zip-lined with screams at the pitch of cooking pots, then tear gas. Then pepper spray Then militarized lies unzipping body bags Oh, are many, many there Are alive and just born And that is how to say Let's fuck it up We the beat and we the loud Tuning forks and the help arriving empty-handed Propping the hot news of new times on our head Days like these pleat whatever the hollow year must offer Between the not yet dead and those just waking up. It will not be the vanished thing that we remember. It will be what we exchanged close to midnight, Like smugglers high wiring the city, Hoarding the thoughts of hours we interrupted. Midway to discovering the velocity Of the burning world below Of our language In the lateness Of our stuck and reckless love Where the forces who claim they love us Level our lives to crust The centuries-wide dance Of swapped shackles for knees The batons and miscellany Thrown at our whole lives Demanding our mothers raise from their separate rooms, separate graves. Today, to save who? And me? I open the book to a naked page, where nothing clatter my heart. What head, what teeth cling to broadside? Roll alias after alias with a pen at their dull tribunes and shrines. Imagine our heirlooms of shot nerves make a life, given to placards and synergies and elegies, but more last things. Where letters here, where snow in May, where the millennium unstitches the quartered earth in June, how many today to the viral fire, the frosted rich and their forts, but not the fulsome rage of my people on peace. Mute boots with somber looks appear, A fearsome autumn, ending spring. Though we still hear, I dare not sing, Another song to dig a hole this time For the lineages of magnolias, Where the offspring bring a hand to cover our mouth, Our heaping lives, Who sit, who burn, who drop three feet to the tar, Who eat and demolish the thing that takes our head. The thing that is no more, the place that never was, except a burning learned just once, and not again when the darker workings race. Before in the middle of the burning, I was asked to contribute to Black iris.Co, which is the brainchild of Donna Bailey Nurse and she was putting together a Black Lives Matter series. Um, And of course I had not considered writing anything at that point. Um, And like I said, you know, it's partly because I felt that to be in contemplation of the world at that time was the most appropriate thing, the right thing, I suppose. Um, but then I opened my notebook and what ended up being the very last part of what I'm about to read was scribbled in. And that is what set me toward 53 acts of living. Zero. Hello. One. One. Are you cut? 2. Does your blood collect into cotton now set for the dump? 3. Welcome, we have waited for you. 4. The ground has long entertained your mighty boots, our long and occasionally careful stepping. Why else would you taunt the earth to quake? How else to make plain that we are lambent the ground. 5. As island off the edge of a continent, as island off the edge of islands, an island is always sinking somewhere. All of the sunken islands fold in a long braid in any direction, where north ends, where south opens, where east breaks from a peninsula, where west punctures the view with sunset. A poet gathers all the living things plus their shadows and how they fail. The poet fills boats upon boats with what remains and offers them the sea. Perfection is no prerequisite for revolution, or inscription for that matter. Inscribed things need language, need the hard tuning of what living arches into dust, even in history What else is there but wonder? 6. The impossible thing about being in crisis is how one is thrust into maneuvers of survival and at this axis, at first, the body must give up living before one knows the price of relief. 7. One must give up on living. 8. You, in your body, must stop the haptic responses a body makes to the commands of living. With any luck, you must. Nine. One must stop the act of living and conspire with being alive. Ten. You must find the brute strength of an impossible language, find a tone with which to communicate to yourself that all you must do The only thing you must do now is make it past this or that critical second. 10. You slip through thin ice, for example, and your body must disobey gravity, push your full weight against the tragedy of a descent back into the air. 12. Above the ice you crush your thumb with a pestle, for example, and your lungs enlarge, Invite more oxygen into the blood, and you curse the very idea of unflawed government. Thirteen, you give your hand to cold water. Fourteen, the reprieve distresses, excites the stock exchange. With any luck, you have died, and you know it. Fifteen, you are locked indoors as COVID-19, a microorganism. Ravages the world beyond your doors. Sixteen. You know you can bring this devastation into your own house. If you have a house. Or else you walk with it everywhere. Wherever home is available to you. It is gradual. Unlike endpoints. Unlike motion sickness. Even when your repose exists only as psychic location. Or euphoric meditation. And you house your wisdoms in a tent in a city park. Our Trigloditic leaders make laws against any measure you use to reach for rest. In any case, everyone you know is exposed, some more than others. That is the impossible measure we know. 17. Everyone you love is not loved any less but all exposed and dying differently and alone. Maybe something startles us into recognition that everyone is dying from the day life begins. And so dying is no useful interdiction, but it is the reason most easily prized as rejection over rules. 18. My history, your place in it, Is every occasion to feel a desert leap from hour to hour in your head. 19. Worry is this heavy, this hot, this frigid. 20. Worry is this master narrative. Worry damns us to treading this unliving which began centuries before our birth. 21. Christina Sharp says, the weather, the climate, the wake. Rinaldo Walcott says, the long emancipation. Idil Abdelahi says, black life. Audre Lorde says, poetry is not a luxury. Sadia Hartman says, lose your mother. Kigru Macharya says, how will you imagine freedom today? Follow the heroes. Franz Fanon says, the wretched of the earth. Dion Brand says, A map to the door of no return. C.L.R. James says, Beyond a boundary. Octavia Butler says, Parable of the Sower. Samuel Selvon says, A brighter sun. Tony Morrison says, Beloved. Austin Clark says more. Derek Walcott says, What the Twilight says. Betsy Phillips says, Defend the dead. W.E.B. Du Bois says the soul of black folks. Linton Quazy Johnson says England is a bitch. All the others say what all the others say. 22. You are looking out from here and maybe wondering what is next. How can you begin again? All I know is if my pen hovers over the page long enough because I am listening to the world, hearing what is revealed, what is felt and held because I am still here, because I am traveling the hard-edged roads and meanings of this place. Things will eventually announce themselves. In all that living, there is war, there is madness, there is music. In that music, I find poetry. Whether or not I write it down is, of course, A matter of choice. If I write it down, be sure that I make something of silence. 23. The masses say in the streets, Abolish, abolish, abolish. They say black lives matter against the panicked seams Of a globe-long eventide coming apart. Everywhere, everywhere around, something blossoms. 24. Against this, Capitalism, all the carceral's cannons holding it up, more discontents toward anew twenty five all command is fury twenty six the willing good redeem little when the uncaring others offer nothing but the vast collapse of any usefulness toward the good twenty seven of things like power, violent supplements, anxious connections, imagination is nuff shun 28. The point is you lose. You lose an understandable aliveness. 29. What you notice is not understood, nor is it living. What you gain is awe. And maybe you curse the frozen streams and lakes and sunlight that play between two deadly worlds. 30. The world you love and the world you know. 31. The body or whatever that has had to give up, however momentarily the fact of living in order to enact the will to survive, is hardly aware that things arrive by departure. 32. Give yourself a chance to abide the indescribable. 33. Resist the ease that counts all of this as flaw. 34. This is how I was. Above the azure veins of the land and the sea, realizing everything could change. Even the aircraft seat beneath me. Above, still, I saw the entanglements of frozen streams and lakes and sunlight in the urgent world, translating my maddened breathing 75,000 feet above those fed up on the ground. 35. I say nothing, of course, but my mind is full of words, assembling against ruin. 36. This was early March, and now it is July as I write this. 37. Often you will miss the needed shock and talent of that immediate refusal to continue, or to find a way beyond the exhaust of work, as I do, and I do. 38. I exist too, in the friction of misunderstanding. 39. I can do little else than take to the book I have not yet written, the revered networks to which ink infrequently adheres, Like a fly buzzing away its tether to warm rice. Not that you think you're a fly. A fly is hardly committed the ways we're used to. You're just sitting in the sun asking a fly. Why calm is so impossible in its presence? The fly is unconcerned with what annoys me. Or with testing the limits of my patience. With needle and thread. Or with ink. Nor... For the sake of bread. Forty. After the event of waking up one day this spring and weeping for no single reason, I tally my being in the morning. Forty one. But I promise ice cream to a friend so we can think of when we can go outside again. Forty two. We are not the same. We are not in the same manner As we left each other before this pandemic shut our doors. Shut us into the corridors of our lives. The ruination we would rather not see. The cell phone apps where we cuss loudly at each other's arrogance. Where one of us sees the long haul of a world sick without the vaccine it needs. Where the other sees the hysteria at hearing the real threat. We are both wrong, of course. We were both not wrong where we began, only now we are. We both own the fact of hurt in that exchange. 43. After months, the flickering bulb of my screen over the date stamp of our last messages gathers dust. 44. After funerals attended on screen. 45. After graduations attended on screen. Forty-six, after birthdays attended on screen. Forty-seven, after morning, even morning on screen. Forty-eight, as my mother thins and thins and laughs still and asks for pizza for the first time in fifty moons, do I make it by hand? I make it flour, by water, by cheese. Oh, vegetables! Welcome the sightless work of heat and stone. Well done. 49. After gardens planted have bloomed and we eat, I will write something funny, I promise, but not today. 50. 50. Through revolutions and uprisings, and remembering the radio of my childhood as oddly intimate, I realize it was one way to lodge the voice against everything undone. Even the chaotic images crowding my palm as you speak into the cell phone. And my teeth make more noise than I intend. 51. Deathbeds are no silence, no place for talk of death. 52. Listen, I do not think language must ceaselessly serve us, but I look for reprieve everywhere around. Every book on my shelves, a zeitgeist alone, a zeitgeist together. And as I think this, you send me a note. Just as I jump, and you gather me up. 53. The real phenomenon of loss is both the inventory of what no longer exists and the impossible measure of what survives. And as I get into this very last portion of the reading, I would like to say thank you again to University of Alberta, Sarah Kratz, and her hard-working team, and uh, the entire community of educators and learners, and the broader community, of course, for hosting me. And I will read from The Disgraphist, <clears throat> which presents seven inquiries into selfhood through the figure Jejun, who is the kind of conduit through which I investigate what the meanings of kinship and community are in our hyper individualist modern world, with all of its disasters of intensified capitalist fascism, toxic nationalism, and climate disaster. The book is in the form of a seven-act play, each play constituting one of those investigations I was talking about just now. And I will read from the final section of the book this is, the penultimate act Act 6 called Ain't I a Madness. Then again, such brutalities, verbs tragic as the margins. Start here with the stately pronoun again. The needle and thread frantic phone call on the backsides of the ears. I could call harvest of birdsong, On that corner alone a madness. Or I could call it the meddled return of forty-five minutes, The clinkin' season of rain. Would you accept this collect-call from God knows where? A life now refused in the gutter. Circus flags, a pending republic, Ended, as the hearts should end or arise, In the flash-flooded air. A birthplace answering to unrecognizable versions of elsewhere. When I was young, jejune gave I the rejected things. Example, the breathable air. Example, the clean sea. Example, the plate with just enough. Example, the cryolite. Any room, anyway, example. The mononuclear eye was a sea of graces. Not peace or surface, I raged, gathering sound for the mirror. Jejune, eventually, the trees will rush the river. Inevitably, the houses will blot the map through one cynical night. And what else, do, darling, tell me anyway, how you walk all these rivers, and is I feeling the shudders of all the caves behind you? Without forcing the point. Will you tell the hounds that they too are deeply wounded? Are too a song of citizen, Rung out to dry in the felt-up fields, Disunity the blueprint of tanked-up roads? Or call it a decorative cry, Call it the wind jostling the shutters With news of the circus animals, I among them, The pigs, the hen, the cats, Trading our father, his language languish for the strange freedom of the dog. That in its short speech it keeps its doggedness a small complaint. Slogans in Heimlich maneuver. Jejun. All of these words are held to idols newly doomed anyway. But let us not lock up this vault just yet. Say the written thing is direct. A line to a nerve, one electric thing to another. Perhaps this is why I can say the word love to you, Jejun, and you will point at the mouth and admit, there is its primitive ground. But the pointing, the tragedy of ampere things, is all around us, and we must pretend this is new every time they camera the vista with laws making new goads about our lives. We are not the sharpened things they make of us, Jijun. Here, drop your one saved day into this one, and let us meet us upright. Have we eaten so many salt-preserved repasts? Even now, even in the middle of this day, there's no use dumping I into this bay. I will bump that track when they come for you, too. Will your face write willingly into the air when they are not looking? That you know I've been waiting here at this corner to see you all day. Do they search you for whatever before they make the searching illegal? What about that recipe for mom's cold-roasted kidney? Contraband of hallelujahs. The shea soap she doctored in the kitchen. Good enough an anti-inflammatory aid. Your mother's maiden name, some abortions. What will they say about the usefulness of their endless killing notations? What now, in this thin hour, have I faded from the miswritten main? So when you call me Jijun, when you call me I, I'll say A, I will answer. Because to know we are one in the same, to know this, this much, Enough for the nights in which to sleep well. This year, the next. The starving crowd has its talents. Wordless corridors famished for love or love's vocabularies. A cosmos never tested in mud. A city in its rust-cultured tap water. Arcades of scrap. The most honest Ed's ever been. Rust. PVC. Another whip. Another route to poor dreams Badges, name it And just as soon it disappears A future paid in Caban Watches void of their work of keeping time A minute schism in the bottle's broken neck A commerce of annulled records Trees remembering fruit The foolish work of asserting a thing What a hard thing, the freedom that bends the back in an infinite series where we approach each other jejun forked in some road that might have cropped up anyhow to cross us barely ready or were we unaware that we had cracked eye to save us split us three ways as the centuries that made us possible left us with all possible comprises we have this one existence This so many elsewheres, in others I, and in every elsewhere us both. So you have arrived, Jejun, and so I, in a million pictures of our face. And still, I was not myself. I am not myself. Myself resembles something having nothing to do with me, and the idea that I would like a holiday a whole lifetime from this bend.
0: You've been listening to Kinesia Lubrin reading to us from Ontario. Thanks for tuning in. This has been an episode of the Canadian Literature Centre's Brown Bag Lunch podcast reading series produced by Sarah Kratz, Austin Lee and Matthew Cormier edited by Claire Peters. Music composed and performed by Bruce Ziff. The CLC's programming is made possible by generous financial support from Dr. Eric Schloss and from the Faculty of Arts at the University of Alberta. New episodes of the 2020-21 Brown Bag Lunch podcast reading series will be posted monthly on the Canadian Literature Centre's website. Thanks so much for listening.